is Genoa. This is Yusuf. And this is In and Flight, Flight Entertainment. Entertainment. Yes, and we are in December, and December is the holiday, you know, your Hanukkahs, your Kwanzaa's, your Christmases, all of that cool festive stuff that gives you all the primary colors of red and greens, uh, lights, snow, and all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, and, and actually, we're gonna kick off um, Throwback Holiday with a movie I thought we done, but we didn't, which is weird because I thought like this would be the first one we have done. But we go, we we, we review so much, so many movies that it slipped through the cracks. But today we're going to highlight it for you all. <laughs> yes, so we are doing the 1990. Uh, Christopher Columbus movie written by John Hughes, Home Alone. Yes, Home Alone was released, uh, what's I got in Google? November 16th, 1990. All right. Okay. Yeah. So 1990, uh, let's see, what were we doing fall 1990? What were we watching? Uh, November 1990. Well, I'll tell you. So going from five to one, uh, let's see, five, we have Cosby's four, A Different World. I, I was definitely watching that. Uh, number three, Roseanne. Number two, 60 Minutes. And number one was Cheers. Was that the last season? I think so, yeah. Okay. I'm like, man, Cheers shut up number one that year? I think it was like, yeah, I, I, see, I was going to guess that Cheers was the thing that I was watching in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But- I was definitely watching Roseanne. I feel like by the time by that time, Cosby for me sort of felt like it had jumped the shark. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you can start breaking into cousins and all that stuff. Yeah, when did the fresh? I feel like the Fresh Prince should have been on air by this time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, he was still doing he was still doing his raps like parents don't understand and. Right, so maybe what, like ninety two Fresh Prince and ninety three Fresh Prince was kind of yeah really yeah. doing this thing, yeah, yeah, and I was definitely I was what Different World I I was glued to that show that show was so good. The Different World was one of those shows where even when like Lisa Bonet like left, it actually the show got better, <laughs> and now and yeah yeah and the and the Different World supposed to have been a show like her vehicle like. A spinoff that involves her, but due to Debbie Allen, amazing directing and all these amazing writers uh, on this show, they just made the College of Hillman the character, and all the other characters were just kind of dropping in and out. But Hillman, the college itself, was the character we were watching every week, and that yeah. was really great. Yeah. I, yeah, agree. I feel like that, and maybe it was because, like, in 1990, November of 90, I would have been a sophomore in high school, and so that felt a little more relatable to me versus the Cosby show. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> agree. All right, and the song, uh, the song, uh, 1990 November... I can't remember the song. It was um, it was "Love Takes Time" by Mariah Carey. It was a very slow ballad. It wasn't a ballad; it was just her. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't 
I don't remember that song. <laughs> yeah, and then November 16th. Yeah. Let's huh? see. In 1990, I would have guessed that Bobby Brown, my prerogative, would have been popular. Uh, probably that summer, but like fall was like the slow songs like Mariah Carey stuff. But yeah, you're right. It would either been, you know, him, like Bobby, or um, uh, like Boys and Men, or somebody like that. Right. Well, Boys <laughs> until 92, 93, but yes, yeah. Hold on, when did Boomerang come out? Like 91? 92? 92? I would guess 92. Yeah, okay, you're right, yeah, because because they were on the boomerang soundtrack. <laughs> yes, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it would have been a couple of years later. Uh, but I do remember uh, going to see this particular film in theaters. Uh, it was it was me, I think my mom and my sister. If, uh, we went to the theater to see this this one, um, and so I remember. I feel like you don't have a very dysfunctional family. Like you, you have a pretty normal family. How did your mom react to this film? Because this is like prime dysfun- family dysfunction. Oh, she thought it was hilarious. Oh, okay. I mean, it was just kind of like the sheer amusement of one, like all of these like kids and uncles and grandparents <laughs> occupying this house, and two. Just a flat out like forgetfulness, but my mom said, "You know what? Her theory is the mother like wanted to forget, like didn't want him to come, so he she was playing it off like, oh, I forgot him. Oh, I gotta go back. AKA like her cover was blown because I think if no one mentioned it, she probably would have like, oh yeah, we're going to France, it's gonna be great, you know." Kevin was a dick. He needed to stay back. Yeah. So that's her theory. I'm sorry. All the all the little boys in that family were assholes. <laughs> this is why we have people in their 40s and 50s that are men uh, because they were allowed to get away with bullshit. Like in this film, like the older brother, who's what's the older brother's name? Was it Spike or somebody? It was one word. I was like, Buzz. Buzz. Buzz, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Buzz, he's he's a complete asshole. Like he ends up going off to college and being like a frat boy, rapey type of person. You know he does. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and maybe a uh, you know Alabama senator. Who knows? Right. Um, <laughs> like and the, all the responsibilities they give to the daughters to take care of the kids and keep track of them. It's this is why you have like a generation of uh, Gen X women that are so angry and just want to tell everyone to fuck off. It's because as kids, they were told to take care of their siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it, it sounds like this comes from personal experience. Right. I mean, yes, but also like talking to friends. Um, but I, I did not see this in the movie theater as a kid. I think I, I saw it when it finally came on HBO or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your, what was your 
initial reception. Okay, so yeah, I guess I'm, okay, me coming from it the first weekend seeing it and yeah. you kind of like once it, all the hype kind of died down everyone talked about it you seen the trailers on over and over and then you finally watched it on HBO. So what was your yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if I remember correctly, I thought it was amusing. Um, <laughs> more from a like in an old school Three Stooges type of way or uh, Little Rascals or um, Laurel and Hardy type of hijinks. Yes. But as an adult watching it. Um, I, I 100% agree with the Rotten Tomatoes rating of about 16%. Um, the, the dysfunction of that family was just cringeworthy. I, I agree that you're with your mom, that she probably wanted to leave her son behind, but she probably <laughs> all the kids behind, mm-hmm. but was only able to get away with one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The jig was up. Yeah, so we we keep going into like how our feelings, but just to give you a quick for for our listeners that have never seen this movie, um, here's the Rotten Tomatoes description of it: When a bratty eight year old Kevin McAllister acts out the night before a family trip to Paris, his mother makes him sleep in the attic. After the McAllisters mistakenly leave for the airport without Kevin, he awakens to an empty house and assumes his wish to have no family has come true. But his excitement sours when he realizes that two con men plan to rob the McAllister's residence and that he alone must protect the family. Oma. Uh-huh. So, I, I mean, yes, that description is correct, but yes. I feel like he's not the, like, he's not the only bratty person in that family buzz was an asshole i would say even the two parents uh and the uncle like it was really hard to find anyone in that family that was really appealing (laughs) well i mean well yeah that's true even a young one that was to be he's yeah he he was kind of a Part of the family of douchiness a little bit. <laughs> yeah, because they told him don't drink so much. Was it Pepsi or Dr. Pepper or something? Which he, he like, kept drinking. No, he's going to like pee in the bed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're right. Um, it, it's funny. I was trying to, when I rewatched it, I was trying to figure out one, okay, how many kids? Did the parents have along with Kevin? Uh, I think, well, so they had Kevin and Buzz. Right. Uh, And then they had two daughters. And the little kid that peed the bed, that was their son too, right? No, the little kid that peed the bed was actually the cousin. Oh, the cousins. So Uncle Frank uh, was, that was Uncle Frank's kid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See. All right. So that's what you're rewatching it. Right. So they like, have, uh, yeah. So the so the family was. Uh, you had Kevin, who's right. the kid. Mm-hmm. The parents were Peter and Kate, and then his siblings were Buzz, uh, 
Tracy and Sandra. Okay. And then I think there is the cousins, uh, Fuller, who, who's the kid that pees in the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think Rod and Heather. Okay. Right like so many kids. So many children. Right. And I was trying to figure out like how it at this particular point of this family. All right. Now was it a situation where the uncles and the the cousins came over that particular night because they all decided to take that trip and it'd probably be better for the shuttle to pick all of them up that morning. That's why we drop in a movie with everybody in this goddamn house. Or is it a living situation where the uncle lost his job and have to, you know, live with them? Like, it's so many questions now, like logistically as an adult watching the beginning of this movie. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that logistically they just decided that the uncle and his family would come spend the night so that so that the van in the morning only had to make one stop. OK. All right. Yeah. Was that was that was that a piece of dialogue in this movie that said that because I didn't I didn't care. I think like maybe in the first minute or so it is mentioned, but it's such a like a throwaway thing that um or maybe because I so I watched Home Alone, Home Alone 2 and then Sweet Sweet Home Alone um all three of them yesterday. So you went down a rabbit hole. I went down the Home Alone rabbit hole. Yeah, I did not. There's a total of, I believe, six Home Alones. I only watched three of them yesterday. Why did you skip three? Well, I skipped Home Alone three, four, and five because Mm -hmm. they have, like, random actors in them (laughs) that I just had no desire. Let's see. Uh, Home Alone three has Alex D. Lentz. I have no idea who that is. Uh, Home Alone 4 does have French Stewart in it. Oh, nice. Um, and then Home Alone, The Holiday Heist ha- does have Ed a- as- Asner-, Asner in it. As Santa Claus? <laughs> probably. Probably. <laughs> nice. Um, but I think Home Alone, The Holiday Heist actually has a little girl as the person that's left Home Alone. Gotcha. Okay, all right on. Oh yeah, oh you watch Home Alone too. Is that the is that the Home Alone with the infamous Trump scene? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay, right on. Guess they didn't edit that out, huh? Nope, they left that in. <laughs> it's like that's not creepy at all. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So, cast. Who's in this? All right. So, uh, Macaulay Culkin. Uh, uh, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, uh, the ever amazing Catherine O'Hara, uh, uh, De- Devin Raytray as Buzz. Wow, that's so funny. He's still doing stuff. Oh, he is, yeah. He's actually in the new Home Alone also. Nice. <laughs> that's funny. And the late, great, amazing John Candy. Yeah, you forgot Joe Pesci. I was about to say Joe Pesci. Because oh. I wanted to kind of make him last because I just wanted to take some time out just to wax his car and just highlight the versatility of <laughs> like the talent, the, the versatility of acting this man possesses is without bounds. 
Okay, let's look at his filmography, shall we? All right, so we have him in some, you know, Scorsese movies like your Raging Bulls, your Casinos, your um, uh, your Goodfellas, all that, right? Irishman. All right, okay. So you think, okay, he is typecast to just be this hard ass killer mob Italiano guy. No, no, he breaks the mold. He goes over and he's Leo Getz in the Lethal Weapon series, right? <laughs> Something totally different from your mob boss. You know, he's like the bubbling kind of sidekick that's the butt of all the jokes of Murtaugh Riggs and all that stuff. You know, okay, cool. He kind of flexes his versatility. We should stop there. No, we don't stop there because he is a bubbling robber in Home Alone. <laughs> like, the man, the man is everything. Man does it all, and we yeah. and we don't highlight that enough. <laughs> yeah, I I have to say one of my favorite movies that he's in is Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, which we need to do one of these. Days. I mean, it, it, he kind of plays like the bumbling Italian hitman, mm-hmm. so he combines all of his characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, into one, but it's such a ridiculous movie. It's fantastic. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and, and he and he's the glue that brings all this absurdity together. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he's done he's done so many amazing movies. And we cannot forget um what what's the one where he plays the lawyer? Uh my cousin Vinny. Yes. Yes. Uh, Vinny, Marissa Tomei, man, like, match made in heaven. That was like the dynamic duo of cinema that year. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The two Utes, the Utes. Uh, Yeah, so amazing. Uh, Yeah, all right, so for the one or two people in this world that never watched this movie, um, this is Macaulay Culkin's breakout um, film. He is a household name after this particular movie. Um, He was in, okay, Uncle Buck was before this, right? Because he was in Uncle Buck. Probably. Yeah. I think based off of Uncle Buck, John Hughes is like, oh, he he should be Kevin in in this movie, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going, I'm checking, I'm checking. Let's see. Uh, And also, Uncle Buck came out in 89. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so based off that, John, he was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. This kid that plays, you know, an Uncle Buck, he should be Kevin. Um, Also, uh, people who have Netflix, there's this awesome series called Movies That Made Us. And they have a really cool, like, episode about how Home Alone was made. So if you guys want to kind of dig more into the behind the scenes of, this movie, they did a really good job, uh, you know, showing, uh, highlighting how uh, Home Alone was made with active characters, productions, and all that stuff. Hughes, Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus, people don't know about this director. Um, he gave us, what, the first two Harry Potters? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's, 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 he's done some stuff. Um, yeah, so he was he was actually he was asked to film uh or to direct um National Lampoon, Lampoons 
uh, Christmas vacation, mm-hmm. but he didn't get along with Chevy Chase, and so he declined. Mm-hmm. And Hughes gave him a list of different movies to pick from, and this was the movie that he chose to direct. Yeah, and the rest, as they say, is history. Um, yeah, which is cool. And also, we cannot forget, or we have to mention that this music was scored by none other than the great John Williams. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah, oh, you, you can hear like the first, like how like the chimey introduction of like as it goes into his. Music like, oh, this sounds very John Williamsy. Then you say, oh, it's music by John Williams. Like, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it it does it does have that essence. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, it was kind of like it's a classic in the making. You know, you had you know John Williams doing the score. You know, you had it. it what Jenna Wood described perfectly, and it was running through my mind too. Kind of like the call back to your. Out of your Buster King slapsticky Tex Avery, you know, Avery's Andy, just the bubbling Three Stooges stuff, you know, they're falling, slipping, being poked in the eye, being burned, you know, nails going through your feet, you know, uh, irons falling on your head. Yeah, like it was definitely a good callback to those uh, old slapstick kind of physical comedies of old. Yeah, and and apparently like Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, who they play the two bumbling robbers, um, they didn't think that this movie was going to be much of a hit. It was sort of like a, a paycheck for them, and so they just were going full out and didn't give a f about <laughs> how they, they did the scenes. And ironically, I feel like that's probably what made the movie. Right. Yeah. Totally. It's not with their performances. Like, I guess you're saying like they don't care, so they just leaned into the into the absurdity of their character, and they owned it. And they just like played it up, like in a cartoonish way, because cartoonish shit happened to them in Act Three. Uh, so yeah, you're right. Like, I'm glad they didn't take it seriously, and you know, second guessing the role and all that shit. And I'd be method acting about it. Well, well. Oh, and you said so. Little did they know that the movie, uh, well, it grows four hundred seventy-six point seven million dollars worldwide, uh, becoming the highest gross in live action comedy up until two thousand eleven, uh, when the, when the Hangover Two Part Two was released. That took the throne. That's crazy. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it held that long. That's, I'm like, wow. Yeah. And, and it's considered like one of the classic Christmas movies that people now watch. Um, it's up there with like, it's a wonderful life and uh, trains, planes, and automobiles, which I have to say. So you mentioned that, that, um, John Candy's in this movie. I feel like they, his character was perfect because if you're a fan of trains, planes, and automobiles, like him being at the airport, uh, renting a car and asking someone to go into it, I, uh, join him for a car ride. It's such a, a hilarious, like, little throwback for anyone that, that knows his 
his movies. Uh, I, I was thinking about you. I see. I was like, should we do a John Candy kind of John Candy verse? <laughs> I mean, like you were saying, this is what I seen in that airport scene. Again, I'm like, huh, he could be the same character for Black Shirtha. <laughs> yeah, he just like kind of cleaned up his life and became like a polka, uh, you know, uh, guy with a polka band and, you know, and they were doing their thing. Right. He stopped selling shit, yeah. and joined the band and he's still on the road traveling, but now he has a built-in family since his wife passed away. Exactly. Right. Now, if we gotta like break, take it back. All right. So John Candy, he was in National Lampoon's Vacation, right? He was a Wally World security guy at the end. Yes, yes. All right. So he was a Wally World security guy. I'm trying to figure out what came out first. Okay, so now he, we can say John Candy's character was originally a Chicago probation officer in the Blues Brothers, right? But after catching the Blues Brothers, he's like, you know what? This police life is just too much for me. I'm going to go out west and kind of do something a little chill. And he's a Wally World security guard, right? Yeah. And, and, And after the Wally World debacle, he was like, you know what? I'm just going to, you know, maybe just do some entrepreneurship stuff. You know, I'm just going to just travel around and kind of, you know, do stuff. So, boom, playing tracks all over. Then this character comes into play. Yeah, I mean, we have a candy verse. Yeah, we, we can even throw in the great outdoors between uh, planes, trains, and uh, Home Alone. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, because I was out there because, yeah, Great Outdoors is after... It was definitely after Home Alone, way after Home Alone. Oh, no, Great Outdoors was before Home Alone, but after Planes, Trains. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We, yeah, definitely. And then he <laughs> goes to be a poker player after. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. All right. So we have a candy verse. <laughs> Yeah, see, me and Jenna like to do this, like connect the dots with uh, right. actors playing reincurring characters. <laughs> um, so uh, while I was watching this, I noticed that there were a few actors that sort of looked familiar to me. Um, did you notice that the airline ticket person was Hope Davis, the French mm-hmm. ticket agent? She looks so, that's her. That was her. Oh, I was like, she, she's, she's, she's somebody. She is somebody. Wow, that's Hope Davis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, she's super young. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she was young and with a really bad French accent. Oh yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> so the checkout girl to me looked super familiar. Yeah, because uh, there's a scene where Kevin goes to the grocery store and and the checkout girl's like being nice to him. It's Tracy J Connor who or Tracy Connor who she looks super familiar, but I think mostly because she's just been in like one other big movie, which or. Um, she was in Dutch. Um, uh, she was in in Living Color, the TV series. Really? Uh, and Huff, the TV series. 
Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, she looked. She looked. I, I definitely couldn't put a finger on her. Like, oh, she's been in some other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but I feel she, she's just been in enough of other things where you're like, she looks familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you were in Kevin's scenario, <clears throat> would have, have, would have, have, would you have executed set plan like the same way or will you have done some other things or will you uh, have changed it up? First off, when I go to the church and I have my long ass conversation with the old person, uh, I'm going to let them know that I've heard that there's going to be people breaking into my house tonight versus not telling another adult and trying to take care of it myself. Yeah, that yeah, well that's 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 one uh that's one alternative plan. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. that's true. Well, I mean it wouldn't have been you know a third act if that was the case. Right. Yeah, no third act. <laughs> yeah. Uh I would have been a, a different type of eight year old. Also, I think I would have if I hadn't told the adult, I probably just would have run and hide, hid, mm-hmm. uh, and would not have set any booby traps because that's that wasn't that coordinated as a kid. <laughs> well, all right. Or all creative, right. I should say. All right. Okay. Yeah. So pretty much just hunker down in the attic and just make yeah. sure we're not right at you. Yeah. I mean, because those are really huge house. I mean, I'm assuming that like that, that shit was insured. So Right. Yeah. And also like he knew that all the other neighbors were gone. Maybe run to hide at another neighbor's or he seemed to to have the play the the neighborhood under control since he knew that he can run to his neighbors uh and call the cops from there and everything. So uh right. maybe even Call the police beforehand? I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. About you, what would you have done? Uh, I mean, I definitely would have done the same thing. You have said, because I'm, I'm scary. And yeah. yeah, I would have ran down the street and, you know, cause a cop a flag down a fireman, something. Um, <clears throat> said something's going down. Um, but if I, if I were to, Take on said robbers. <sighs> I it, what I, what I would do is I would just like drill in all the doors so like they don't come in at all. And that was my whole thing about his whole like schematics of his plan. Like the plan is to keep them out. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was saying, okay, I'm going to have all these booby traps. It's going to hold them all till they, till they get in. And when they get in, I will have another round of booby traps. And then once they get through these rounds of booby traps, I'm going to zip line out the window into the treehouse. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what was the end game with his plan? Like, until the yeah. cops came? Or, 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 like, 
<laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I mean, maybe I'd set the first set of booby traps to keep them out of the house, but while they're doing busy with that, that's when I would call the cops. Hey, there's someone trying to break into my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or when I know they come, as soon as I get in, I would call the cops. Like you said, have the booby trap set up to hold them up to the cops come. Yeah. But you know, he wanted to chill, eat his mac and cheese. Have his mac and cheese dinner before <laughs> nine. Like, come on, call cops first, mac and cheese later. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, all right. So, did you know that it took weeks to find the right house for this film? Since we're talking about houses, um, it took it took several weeks for the director Chris Chris Columbus and his crew to find the McAllister house for Home Alone, according to Entertainment Weekly. Ultimately, they chose a house in Winneka. Yes, Winneka, Illinois have, like, some of the hugest like, brick houses you can ever see. Um, he said, I took some pictures and sent them over to John, and I remember John saying, this is perfect. This is exactly how I imagined the house. Uh, John Hughes told Chris Columbus. So. But yeah, if you're ever in Illinois, if you're in, ever in Chicago, Drive up Winneka. It's north of Evanston, um, where Northwestern University is. Yeah, these houses are ridiculous, like huge brick houses. Um, so, yeah. And plus, John Hughes is from the boonies of Chicago anyway, so he liked to keep things in Illinois. That's, that's his jam. John Hughes made a recipe. So. Yeah. All right. So, our... That's it. Our All rating right. is sit on the sofa with the family. It's a great Christmas holiday movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, go in the kitchen and cook something while it's on the back on in the background, <laughs> uh, or go outside and get your shopping done. Yeah. Take on the crazies. Yeah, unmasked uh, uh, shopping. <laughs> Uh, I, if I had a family, I would definitely sit down and watch this. I mean, it's just one of those like it's 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 fun. I, like kids are get a giggle at the slapsticky three stooges collaborating that happens to the robbers. Um, and the kids will like you know a kid have being by himself and doing what he want to do, eating buckets of ice cream and getting sick to pizza, and you know it's like the kids' fantasy, right? Like oh, I can do whatever I want. Family, yes, sit and watch it. Um, adults, it didn't age very well. <laughs> it did not age well at all. Yeah, that's why I have to split the difference because this is a holiday, and normally this is for like this is like family reviews. Yes, if you actually if you're by yourself and you're have some edibles, you would you you get a kick out of it. But families, I give it a sit down. If you haven't watched it before, or if you've been a while since you watch it, and it's on. It's like, oh, I'll sit down and watch it. It's it's, it's a fun time. Put it, the family. Put it. Uh, I, yeah, I guess if you have kids, definitely sit down and watch it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have kids, I would say go outside. Avoid the fuck out of this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and just just and just uh, go on Spotify. And just listen to the Home Alone soundtrack from John Williams. Uh, still an amazing score. Uh, if you just want to listen to the, the music. <laughs> so yeah, there you, got, there you have it. Home Alone. Um, 
families. Check it out. Grown ass people by yourselves. Watch Bad Santa. Uh, and there you have it. So we will catch you guys next week with some more holiday reviews. Until uh, then, which ain't one seconds with this is the end. Get your boosters and keep wearing those masks. Yes. And keep the change, filthy animals. Peace.